0: Hello and welcome to I Found a Thing, the podcast where we explore Kickstarter and talk about it. My name is Evan Winch and joined, as always, by Sean Moore. How's it going, Sean?
1: It is good. How's it going with you on this Friday night? Oh, shouldn't branch in the day. I mean on this, whatever day you're listening on.
0: This mysterious night or day or morning or mm-hmm. before 5am. Why is it so early?
1: Right. <laughs> Maybe you got to get up and you got to get your Starbucks. That's what you're doing.
0: I don't drink coffee, though, and now I'm tired because it's both night and 5am simultaneously. That sucks. Whatever time it is where you are, I have a ton of games that I want to get through. And by the looks of it, you do too, Sean.
1: I've got a few games that were interesting.
0: So I'm going to start with a bit of an odd one. And it kind of is in keeping with the theme of last week, which was two-player games slash stuff taking from Norse mythology. Uh, it's a game called Fjords. Have you seen this?
1: Oh, I have seen this. Just come up on my I don't know anything about it, though.
0: So it's actually a reprint. It was originally a game that came out back in 2005 by a company called Grail Games. And time has passed obviously since 2005. A lot of things have happened within the board gaming scene and Fords is getting a facelift. It's kind of an odd facelift in this. So they have the same artist Beth Sobel who did some work on Wingspan as well as Viticulture. Looking at this, though, on the Kickstarter page, I was initially kind of like, oh, so this is what the original art looked like. Uh, No, it's actually the updated art that's on the page. And so I thought, this kind of has that old school board game vibe where it feels very like 2008, 2010 sort of thing. So I looked up the original art. I was amazed at how big of an upgrade the current art is to the past art. It's quite a night and day difference.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Right? Like, I know people use the, uh, this looks like MS Paint analogy too often, but it's not that far off some of that.
0: I know. I'm very surprised at what was released back in 2005. The industry has definitely made a lot of strides. Uh, I didn't just bring this game to throw the past art under the bus, though, and talk about how the modern art is a definite improvement on that. Gameplay for this is going to be pretty straightforward. It's actually broken up into two distinct rounds. So the first round, you're literally going to be laying tiles. There is a deck that you're going to be pulling tiles from. There's four tiles exposed at the start of every round. You're going to grab a tile. You're going to place a tile. There's some rules around placement. You could have water on the tile. You could have plains on the tile. You could have mountains on it. Or you could have a mix of the three. Once you get those down, you're also going to have the opportunity to drop a longhouse Wherever you want. Generally speaking, you're only going to be allowed to place those on areas that are plains. Once you've gotten all the tiles onto the table, you're then going to start placing your little Viking explorers out from those longhouses. So the object of the game is to get the most area under your control. The challenge of the game is going to come from the way that you're placing not only the land tiles, but also where you're placing your longhouses. Because Theoretically speaking, you can give yourself a really nice little run, and then all of a sudden, instead of uh, you being able to place a guy there, your opponent drops a longhouse, and now they're kind of rippling out from there, grabbing all the good land you wanted. So you're sort of able to hedge people in while simultaneously trying to give yourself really good angles to be able to claim as much land as possible.
1: Question and a thought. Yes. Last time we mentioned uh, how Vikings did not have horns, and I'm very happy that these Vikings do not have horns.
0: They do have pitchforks, though.
1: Well, that's fine. That that's probably accurate. They don't wear them on their heads, but <laughs> I mean, I would be
0: kickstarting this game if they did have pitchforks on their heads.
1: <laughs> so the question is, what is the purpose of the long houses?
0: So the long houses are where you can send your guys out from. They're kind of a uh, spawn point, I guess, for your meeples. Mm, okay. And that's coming back to part of the strategy is if I have a cluster of longhouses that are really close together, but you have longhouses that are more spread out and kind of all over the place, you're going to be able to get a better concentration of your meeples out than I'm going to be able to.
1: And what's the new runestone deluxe?
0: Yeah, so that's where it comes back to the two player theming of our debut last week. This version comes with a bolstered two player experience, which will give you little rune stones to place as you're drafting your tiles. So let's say you get a tile that's all mountain, you would then place a strength rune on it, which means any meeple that is adjacent to the strength rune is going to score plus one point. Or you might get a rune that's going to give you a boost for playing your meeples near water. It's another layer of strategy that you can work into it for where you're going to be placing your guys to score the most points. Okay. The other cool thing about this, especially as a Canadian, is the entire Kickstarter campaign is in Australian dollars, which is actually worth less than the Canadian dollar. The normal base pledge for this game is 33 bucks. You can get away with it for $32 Canadian and save yourself a dollary-do.
1: Yeah. Wait, is that really how they call them? dollary dues, Or is that just slang?
0: It's actually a Simpsons joke.
1: I thought it was a Simpsons joke, but I wasn't sure.
0: But there was a real world petition back when the Simpsons went to Australia episode air to have the official Australian dollar change to the dollar redo because it would, quote, raise the value of their currency. (laughs) (laughs) It failed, unfortunately.
1: (laughs) Oh, no way. Uh, No, this looks uh, this is cool. Actually, you mentioned the money thing. I remember uh, last year when I backed uh, Wonderful 101 on Kickstarter and you look at it like. 30000 Oh, right. <laughs> J- Japanese currency, right. $70? Wait a second. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was looking at a, um, an automatic tripod head. So basically, you can program the tripod head to uh, rotate and move on a programmed way so that you can kind of like calculate how you want to follow the night sky sort of thing. And uh, I was just about to back it. And then I looked at the price and was like, oh, my goodness, this thing is $145,000, it was hong kong dollars not u.s dollars so it was actually only about 600 bucks canadian but still i was like whoa this is way (laughs) too much is this made out of titanium or what
1: what's the opposite of a segue because i'm gonna do that speaking of things that are not no speaking against things that are expensive (laughs) evan do you have a mother's day gift all prepared for this year
0: So this is going to ruin your bit, but my mother gets very upset at me when I get her a Mother's Day gift.
1: So your other mother that you you don't know about.
0: (laughs) Oh, she gets really upset when I don't get her a gift.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, if you don't know about her, you wouldn't gift things to her. Okay, so my mom, what were you going to get her for her Mother's Day?
0: Uh, The trademark flowers. Your mom loves flowers.
1: Oh my gosh, that's actually, that's a segue there, but we won't quite do it. (laughs) Get her flowers this year. What were you planning on getting her next year? for mother's day
0: i was gonna get her a romantic dinner out at the keg with her significant other
1: well forget that potentially this is getting (laughs) creepy (laughs) so there's a game on kickstarter being put out by pencil first games called floriferous Mm -hmm. no i was gonna butcher this okay it's a made up word floriferous
0: floriferous
1: that's it wait is that not made up is that a real word
0: It's one of those words that I think is probably not made up, but it does definitely look... It is a real word. It is a real word, yeah. Of a plant producing many flowers.
1: By the time this actually comes out, I'll learn how to pronounce this. (laughs) So this is... I don't want to say it's like worker placement meets wingspan meets flowers, but it's not too far off of that. This one is as opposed to $600 you can spend on random things on Kickstarter. Uh, Only $26 on Kickstarter, and that comes with this little expansion. And the idea is that you lay flower cards right at the beginning of the game. So you start with the top pawn. They pick a flower. Then the the pawn below picks a flower anywhere in the column. Mm -hmm. Uh, On their first turn, you can't shoot ahead to the right. You have to pick whatever's in the column. And then when you go back the other way, uh, it reverses, and the bottom meeple picks the, the first thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the idea of this is that you want to collect these flowers, which have no points. But if you put them in certain arrangements or collections, then you get your points. Oh, it's very pretty. And they say they're actually going to add more art to it, which is kind of cool because it already is really nice. The backs of the cards, it's kind of I think I'm using this right. Opaque, like it's kind of it's a little bleak. And they said they're going to color that up a bit. It's very pretty. It has some of the mechanics that like Wingspan, has like end of round missions instead of end of round. Obviously it would be uh, end of day. Cause I think this idea is that you're spending four or five days in this lovely, lovely garden. And then the expansion is going to be free if you get it now. If you wait a little bit, uh, they are going to charge it. But the benefits of this Kickstarter is you get the expansion for free. Now it doesn't come out till May, 2022. So next year. So it might not actually be in time for mother's day. You could always get you a know, picture of the thing, like, "Hey, I actually got something different for you this year." I'll, like, I have a mother-in-law. I'm like, I think she'd play this, but I don't think she'd play it with anyone else in the family. <laughs> but there is a one-player mechanic to the game, and essentially, you're kind of playing against the birds. So you pick something, oh. but then there's a the bird-eye will also pick something after you're done. It's
0: beautiful. I'm listening to you, but I'm also just looking at the art. Like, man, this is it. Does for flowers what wingspan does for birds. Mm-hmm. it's very watercolory, very pastel color palette very inviting to look at
1: and what's a cool touch to this it is I wouldn't say it's 100% colorblind compatible but they do make an effort because there's so much colors in the game and you need colors to complete certain collections and stuff but they do stuff like if it's a circle that means yellow if it's a diamond then it's orange oh, nice. purple is a... yeah so there's little touches like that
0: This feels like the type of thing that you would book a picnic.
1: Yeah. Like you see the, like in movies, I guess in real life, but like you have like the older ladies, they're all playing like gin or rubby. Like you could whip this out too and be like, hey.
0: Kind of like how uh, viticulture just wants to be played while you're sampling wines in uh, Paris or whatever.
1: I would love to play against players who would be sipping wine because I would own them.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's right. Distract yourself with that red. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Speaking of games that you could play in a very specific environment, have you ever been Mm -hmm. to a night market?
1: I have not.
0: So I'm going to assume it was a night market that I went to when I was uh, overseas in Australia because... It felt very much like the art style of the next game I'm going to bring, which is coincidentally called Night Market. It was one of the coolest spots I've ever been to eat because it's literally like a back alley and every two or three feet there's another vendor selling basically the same food the other vendors are, but it's a completely different spin on that food. It was very difficult to not eat only noodle dishes from this market uh it was really really good it was called spice alley if anyone is ever in sydney highly recommend checking it out because everything was delicious but uh after covid after covid uh you know what (laughs) they probably are still open for covid but uh distancing in that really cramped alley is probably going to be tricky so this is a worker placement game and it's kind of a set collection game there's a lot going on to it Basically, what you're going to be doing at the start of your turn is placing your workers to gather resources. So that's going to be different ingredients that you're going to use later on in the round to create different dishes. There's a neat mechanic as far as comboing your workers together. So basically, the uh, spaces that you can place your guys on are a grid. And if you put uh, a worker on either side of an empty grid, you would get the resource that you put the new worker on as well as the resource that's on the empty spot. If you were to put three workers in a row, instead of getting just the one resource for the new placement, you would actually get three resources. So there's a lot of ways to kind of get a lot of ingredients together. Then what you're going to do is use those resources to buy different dishes place them out on your counter and try to attract customer cards that have been drawn at the start of the round. And those customers are going to be worth points. They're going to have some different bonuses to them and they're going to be attracted to your stand based on what it is you made with those resources you acquired.
1: Okay. I like the uh, little scooter meeples.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on with the Kickstarter. So the exclusives with this one are mostly going to be themed around the actual components that you're getting from the game. It does have some free expansions with it like the Metro pack which is only going to be available during the campaign. You can't even get this in the pledge manager. It's just you either kickstart the game and get the Metro pack or you don't get it. Uh, there's a ton okay. of custom pieces with it as well. I think the gameplay might be a little on the complex side. I, I I need to really sit down and go through the rules. It seems like it could get a little bit rulesy and a little bit analysis paralysis. I just really dig the theme.
1: At first it gave me this like little bit of a diner dash feel. Like, you know, constant running around, getting recipes, and then appeasing to customers. Absolutely. I don't feel like there's a game out there that strictly deals with, like, night markets, especially in Taipei. But Taipei? 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 Taiwan. Taipei. Okay.
0: Man, you're on a roll tonight. You're getting, uh, flourish Oh, uh, I'm going to screw it up. No.
1: <laughs> it's the worst word. Floriferous? I was fine with it up until I was, like, you're about to meet someone's mom for the first time, and they're like, "This is how you pronounce their name." You're like, "All oh, right, I got it, I got it, I got it." And then you just, you butcher it as soon as you see them. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you, you had one job. She's like, "I know." Yeah, but it really looks like it should be pronounced Debbie. Ah, like, oh.
0: this is gonna be uh, episode with the name "Hard to Pronounce Games" edition.
1: <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> I, I just have a tongue that likes to work on its side rather <laughs> than flat. <laughs> the next game I have is. Two games and one Kickstarter. The games don't connect with each other, but they're both part of a bigger story. And that makes it sound a little bougier than it actually is. But essentially, Final Frontier, they're putting out four games that have to do with how the world and the Earth and the universe was made. So they're doing two games now and then two more games in 2022. The first game is called Solani. The other one is called The Girl Who Made the Stars. So Solani is from the perspective of first people and their take on how the universe was created. So in front of you, you have these placemats and similar to something like in Names, where you draw a card, you draw this card and it tells you how the start of your placemats going to start. Then after that, you want to collect stars and you want to collect planets. The easiest way I could describe this, think of the red cross symbol. Okay. And then you put four of them together. And in the middle, you make a square. Okay. Okay. Imagine it was concave, and then in the middle you could place a circle. So it's like a pattern. I, I, this is—it's very hard to visualize. You should see my hands; they're doing cartwheels. It's kind of um, like
0: having concave diamonds with little circles that will fit into that
1: slot. I was in Microsoft Word, and I'm like, "Okay, just—I know you can do shapes, but like, just tell me the name of this shape." And it's like "custom shape." I'm like, no, that's not help."
0: <laughs> but it's just Wingdings the 972
1: oh that's it 972 but yeah so the idea is you want to make constellations through that and if your constellations connect to the planet and your constellations don't just end or die when they're not supposed to then you score points and then there it's got that like a patchwork feel to it and i know i'm not describing the mechanics as well it's one of those as soon as you see it like oh okay i get it essentially you have to place a tile and then if you want to place a planet then you have to place it next to a constellation and if you want to play a constellation it has to be next to a planet and then there's different scoring mechanics to it as well
0: when you say that you have to connect it to a planet are you getting planet tiles that you have to put in there because i'm I'm just looking at the game now and it looks gorgeous i'm just trying to figure Mm -hmm. out where the planets actually come in
1: on the first round you collect the constellations so that's the cross-shaped things and then the next round you can collect stars, or you can collect planets. So they're both round shapes. If you don't want stars, you can get planets. And then there's certain reasons on why and why you don't want to do it. That's its one mechanic. And then there's all these things that are on the side that let you do different things and score different things. It's not too heavy. It's not too complex. You do get a little bit more depth with the extra scoring in there. And that's the standout one for me. That's the one that I'm like, I would like to play this.
0: I'd say of the two that this is the one where the art style as well as the gameplay are kind of sucking me in a little bit. I like the mechanics of the girl who made the stars and I'm interested to hear your take on that too.
1: So I was the reverse. I liked uh, Solani's artwork. I really liked the girl who made the stars artwork even better. And I kind of wish that artwork was in Solani. Like not necessarily the, the style, but just like the colors and the vibrance and everything. So the girl who made the stars is a little bit more, I won't say messy, but you've got three boards you're working with. You have your own board, which is a grid of hexagons. Then you have a sideboard where you get these action discs and you actually toss them on this board. And depending on what color they land on on this board is how you get that action back. So essentially, if like if something falls in yellow, you have to spell A yellow to get that. Oh,
0: I didn't realize that. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. And if it falls on the line, like that's if it hits the line, then it's both colors. And then you have the main board. So there's like three things you got to be working with at all times. And that was a little much for me. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. With the hexagon, you're you're trying to build constellations. And if you're able to entrap them um, or block them off, you score points and then you you're able to take the light from them and spend them on the main board. A lot of pat your head, scratch your tummy, and jump on one foot.
0: Yeah, it reminds me a bit of Endless Winter from that standpoint, where that was a game mm-hmm. that I wanted to like a lot, and it just always robbed me as there's there's too many things.
1: Yeah, and like I really like the aesthetic that they're going for. I really like the artwork of it. I wish the mechanics of the games were flipped a little bit, because then I'd be totally in a one unless the <laughs> other. I'm sure if I played it enough, it wouldn't be as like jarring it's just at first when you see like oh yeah you uh you toss the discs and it's like well that's yeah different i've never seen that before and that's uh maybe because we play tabletop simulator so often i'm like i don't think that would work in tabletop i think it would just drop at center every single time we throw it or it fly off the table
0: that would not fly in well it would fly in tabletop simulator (laughs) it wouldn't fly as being fun it would just fly as a digital asset (laughs) across the map (laughs) I, I will yeah. say with both of these, I really like the approach that dev team is taking to take um, creation stories from less, I guess, publicly known cultures and mm-hmm. apply them in such a unique way to these games. And the fact that there's two more coming, it kind of makes me excited to see, oh, what cultures and what stories are you going to use for those? Because these ones have such distinct characteristics and visuals I think the 2022 games are also going to be cool to check out.
1: Yeah. And what's nice. And I'm going to assume the 2022 games will have the same treatment, but they have consultants on there. So, like they have someone there to like explain the importance of certain things and certain aspects. So it's not just someone from the outside trying to design a game. It's someone actually a part of our culture. Yeah. Guiding so the That process. part I really like too. Nice. Yeah, exactly.
0: I've got one that's a little bit out of left field for me at least, because I've never played this style of game before, but I'm, kind of intrigued to see what it would feel like to play and that is Three Sisters a backyard farming roll and write game so the genre I've never played a roll and write there seems to be a lot of these kind of cropping up one of the most popular ones that I've had a lot of people recommend to me is Fleet the Dice game and would you look at that Three Sisters is from the designers of Fleet the Dice <laughs> game
1: so what is a roll and write for people like me who are a little new to genre
0: So a roll and write is basically you get a customized score mat, which will have numbers associated with dice on it. And then every round you'll roll dice, and then depending on the game, in the case of uh, three sisters, you're going to actually be drafting those dice. So if it's a three-player game, you're going to roll three dice. Depending on what number pops up, they will then get placed onto a rondelle. And then you will go around, starting with the first player, going around the table and drafting those dice. When, let's say I roll a three, and I can now plant and water vegetables in the three space on my little player mat. And then I would put a little tick on the box to indicate I have done this once. And then you would take the rondelle action. So maybe the rondelle is... Uh, you can do something in the shed. So then you would put a little tick in the shed box, which would advance one of those items on the track. So maybe you go and you do the seed planter three times. Now, instead of on your turn watering and planting two plants, you would do three plants every turn. So you're able to kind of advance your different tracks at a faster rate or maybe you're going to go for the tractor in the shed which would then give you 15 points once you've gotten all six ticks or maybe instead of going to the shed your rondelle would send you into the orchard to plant apple trees or raspberry bushes that sort of thing
1: there was a game that was just on kickstarter dark knight based on the frank miller uh interpretation of batman yes and there was a lot of writing on the boards there and I w- it wasn't clear on this or the other one. It, I'm pretty sure in the Batman one, that's straight up just using a Sharpie, but is the board on this, are they reusable or like once it's done, it's you got to erase and do it again or.
0: Yeah. That's one area that I think, a laminator is the secret cost of this game. You get a <laughs> uh, double-sided 50-page score pad in the base game. And once that's gone, my understanding is that it's gone.
1: Is there a print and play option? Or I'm assuming there could be an unofficial one.
0: Yeah, there's not an official print and play. I'm going to guess that you could probably pretty easily find the score mats or make your own digital scan of the score pads just to prevent mm-hmm. yourself from you know, cycling through the game. I would also say that this isn't probably going to be something that will hit the table a ton. I've heard a lot of really good things about Fleet the Dice game as being something that a lot of people enjoy solo, and there is a solo variant to 3 sisters, so if that's kind of the direction that you want to take it, 50 solo plays is pretty good value. If you're playing it with four players every time, obviously that number is going to drop a lot quicker.
1: Some might say down to 12 times.
0: I was going to do the math, but I'm glad that you saved me. I wondered what the delay was for. (laughs) It was like, oh man, this was one of my points I wanted to make, and I forgot to do the math in advance.
1: Darn it. Wait a second. No, my math is actually you could play 12 games plus one game with two friends.
0: It looks cute. Uh, the Kickstarter exclusives are going to be a actual expansion that should only be available for the Kickstarter, which adds weather effects. So every time uh, you roll dice, the die that does not get chosen during the drafting would then cause a weather effect so that might be rain which will then boost all of your little ticks up by one it could be uh, no effect it could be harvest where you would score some points there's a bunch of different things that can happen and then you also get a kickstarter exclusive tractor meeple to replace the farmer edith meeple that comes in the box
1: do you get the farmer meeple too or just just the tractor
0: you get both i'm kind of tempted by it mostly as a solo thing i've never really been that much of a solo board gamer i kind of play video games for that But for Mm. a relatively low-cost entry, this thing is $29 US uh, to just get everything. It seems pretty decent. Throw some laminated sheets in there. And basically, this is an Eternal game that I think would be kind of fun as a more advanced version of Bingo. At its core, it's a complicated Bingo. And I like that. Bingo with strategy seems like it would be something that uh, I'd enjoy, especially as an 82-year-old man.
1: (laughs) Shh, don't tell them. So this was my surprise Kickstarter. So it's not necessarily a game, but it's very game related. Okay. Have you seen these?
0: You know, I did see this page, but I scrolled past it because I didn't really understand what it was. But now that I'm looking at it, I'm kind of having a difficult time looking away.
1: So this is Pixels. This was from an engineer who worked at Bethesda. So he worked on games like Fallout 3. Skyrim, Oblivion, and he's got an engineering background and he's got a whole lot of money backing him now to make these LED dice. There's
0: three and a half million dollars behind this project.
1: Mm-hmm. There is. And okay, well, how much do you think these would cost? Unless you've looked at it and then you wouldn't actually know.
0: Uh, I feel like these are going to be expensive because that's a lot of LEDs. So I'm going to say. Are you asking each or are you asking for like a set of six die?
1: One die. One die. 30 bucks? 40 bucks American. Oof. You also get a charger with it.
0: Wireless, I'm going to assume?
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely wireless. Okay. If it was just a die, you'd actually probably be pretty correct. But with the charger, obviously, it would be a little bit more. Yeah. What would you want in a pair of LED die? I mean,
0: an app so that I can control what color they are.
1: Absolutely. Yep, that's there.
0: I don't know. I think that's kind of all I want, to be honest. Yeah. Um, maybe like a weight inside that I can set so that I can uh, prank my friends and be like, why do you keep rolling ones?
1: Yeah, I don't believe you can You know, go to the casino with these things like, oh, man.
0: Hey, uh, do you mind if I play some blackjack with these custom LED dice? Nothing suspicious
1: about this. <laughs> It'll bring all the people to the table. Trust me. My dice bring all the girls to the yard. <laughs> You can't roll the number that you'd want, but it knows what number you do roll. Oh, there's
0: a gyroscope in them?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's on GitHub. It's actually open source, too.
0: Oh, that's really cool. What I like about the idea of it being on GitHub is coming back to tabletop. I mean, there's not a whole lot of in-person gaming happening. Wouldn't it be cool if you can sync this to tabletop simulator? Do a roll in real life instead of fiddling around with the R button or the F button.
1: That's so freaking smart. Oh my gosh. If there was a version without the LEDs, I know that's the whole point, but that could just do that. Oh my goodness. I don't know how many times I've played tabletop and rather than rolling the dice, it's just spinning in the air. I'm like, well, it's going to be a one because it's spitting.
0: Now you factor you know? in like an Oculus Rift with that. Man, that would be a great experience in uh, TTS. I got my cards in one hand, roll the die. I physically pick up the die and it does it in the game.
1: I cannot see why that can't happen. Like, there's no reason that can't happen because it's it, you're able to send the signal back to your computer.
0: The modding community on TTS is so vibrant as it is adding in an actual 3D peripheral for dice. I, I, I can well imagine someone in this Kickstarter, like one of the 20,000 backers, has done it specifically to make a mod for TTS.
1: Well, Berserker should be on this. I'm thinking that we should message them and be like, hey, free idea. You should team up with these guys or make your own die. Is that our show? I think that's our show. If uh, if
0: we missed anything or if there's any questions that you have for the two of us, people that just kind of have opinions and are on the internet, be sure to uh, drop us a line at ifoundathingpod at gmail.com. We're checking that on the regular and uh, hopefully going to add a letter segment to this at some point. But uh, Mm -hmm. can't do that without letters. So uh, shoot us a note. Let us know what you think of the show, what we could improve on, or what you'd like us to cover in the future. And I think I'll call it there. Sean, see you in a couple of weeks. I'll see you in a couple of weeks.